Hello, friends, and welcome to the dimension of our Midnight Cake. We thought that it would be a ton of fun to watch and discuss one of, arguably, the greatest movies of all time. Jaws is a 1975 American thriller directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. It stars Roy Schneider as police chief Martin Brody, who, with the help of a marine biologist played by Richard Dreyfuss, and a professional shark hunter, played by Robert Shaw, hunts a man-eating great white shark that attacks beachgoers at a summer resort town. The screenplay is credited to Benchley, who wrote the first drafts, and actor-writer Carl Gottlieb, who wrote the script during principal photography. One of the interesting things about Jaws, and there are many interesting things, this, this is a movie that has been discussed by people far more intelligent than we, with much greater insight but one of those films that can be enjoyed by everybody. But one of the things that I found interesting was that the budget was $9 million in 1975. It's about $51 million today. So you know, a mid-sized film budget. It grossed over $100 million at the box office in 1975, or roughly $570 million in today's money, adjusting for inflation. It was the highest grossing film of all time until Star Wars came out two years later, and both films were instrumental in establishing the modern Hollywood business model. Not including all of the awards that this movie has won and justly deserved, in 2001, the Library of Congress selected Jaws for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. So let's get to the discussion, but I'm sorry, where are my manners? I'm Soltis, and joining me are my friends and fellow transdimensional beings, Beaches. Hey, fellas. You, you, you see this one? I got this one running running headfirst into my grandma's end table. <laughs> <laughs> Lumberdor. We're going to not need quite a big as a uh, coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug. You know, guys, this was no two-headed shark attack, Jersey Shore shark attack, avalanche sharks, ghost shark, Jurassic shark, sharknado, shark and saw women's prison massacre, shark side of the moon, sharkula, sharks of the corn, shark and sign, cocaine shark, shark encounters of the third kind, shark, uh, wait, doll shark or shark exorcist. But this was pretty good. Oh, <laughs> if, you'd said, if you'd said deep blue sea, I was going to go off. <laughs> Do you know which one you left out? Meg? <laughs> no. Nope. Baby shark. I just tried to list every bad shark movie I could think of, and that's and you, and you left what off the shark? top one. <laughs> after after Jaws: The Revenge, it was just open season. Whatever. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say this was no Jaws: Revenge, but and I was like, no, I'm going to make a bigger list. <laughs> the the Jaws: The Revenge is like Jaws three point one, right? Okay. Something I couldn't like remember. <laughs> I almost clicked on that when I started watching. It's like, nope. You know, I, had this, I had Jaws to a long list sure. of movies that I believe did not need to become a franchise or require any sequels or anything like that. Amen. Well, you know, when Jason Statham comes back for his shark sequel, uh, it's <laughs> it's not because of contractual obligations. It's because of that paycheck. Yes. He's a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess contractual obligations is professional too, but he does it for the love of the shark. Yeah, <laughs> for the love of the shark. Mm -hmm. That's it. His buddy Bruce. They go deep. Yeah, and now every every single um, 
shark, you know, or in, in like any movie or video game has to be called Bruce because of this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If someone listening to this does not know, uh, the nickname for the shark that Steven Spielberg gave it is Bruce, which he named after his lawyer, which is hilarious. But, you know, you got like Bruce the shark, what, in Nemo? You got Bruce the mm-hmm. shark in, in the raft video game I've been playing. <laughs> you got Bruce everywhere. The opening of this movie, I think, is like it's just it's so perfect i think it just struck me again like how perfect the opening is you know it starts like in the water with the soundtrack it starts out just like friday the 13th but it goes this way instead of (laughs) 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 jason isn't chained to the bottom of the ocean um (laughs) but it's like it's it's that You, you got you got the the water you know the the POV angle, the music, and then it just cuts to the teenagers. I find her death like so disturbing. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's like panting and like screaming for her life. It's yes. like very, very intense without showing anything. And the only person who could possibly do anything is a drunk guy that passed out on the sleep on the beach. That's the real sad part. I like that they <laughs> feel the need to debilitate him like that when really what could he have done? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. If he had been completely uh, sober and capable. <laughs> if he had been a Navy SEAL, he would I'll have save you. <laughs> and he had a rocket launcher. Um, well, at least he knew to, to talk to somebody the next morning. He swims a <laughs> little know. bit out there. He sees the size of this thing. Nope. But it's just so great. And it's not like really long or anything. But it gives you like everything you need to already be like tense <laughs> during the the next beach scene. You're already like, okay, this is not good. My first favorite moment is um, the uh, I, I is he a deputy? The deputy yeah. is just oh when he finds oh, he's the like remains. when he finds the remains and he's trying his best. He's yeah. playing in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's like he doesn't have any dialogue, but he's like, how do you say, gosh darn it? (laughs) You get your big key and you start stab that sand. (laughs) I liked the opening score too, because I mean, I I don't know, I bring stuff back to Blind the Apes because it it came before like Star Wars and all these big franchise things, but it masterful John Williams. Yeah, it had the same kind of score as jaws with how it opened is just it's as much part of that opening scene as the shark it's it's providing the tension it's um getting you already kind of on the edge of your seat even though you know it's a, a shark movie i mean that is that theme is the shark for a lot of the movie yes it is <laughs> by necessity as very well documented all the problems that the production went through and how the shark never worked and <laughs> It was a miracle that this film made it to the theaters at all. But thank goodness it did. Yeah. You know, not that it doesn't have a great story and, and good actors and and it's it's well written and shot and all that. Um, but is there a version of this movie that's just awful because the shark works? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think I think you're right. Yeah, totally. It's difficult to say with with hypotheticals like that, but I I believe that if the shark had worked and Spielberg had made the movie that he wanted to make originally, mm-hmm. then it, it would not be the iconic movie that we have today and we can enjoy. 
I think you're just you're given enough time to settle in and enjoy the movie before you get a really good look at like this big rubber shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which isn't as awful as I'm I'm making it sound like. And the impact that it's had in pop culture with all of the references and parodies and homages and everything else. There's so many. This is this is another one of those movies where if you've never seen it before, but you've seen everything else, you know, The Simpsons, for example, or yeah. Bob's Burgers or whatever, then you've seen this movie too when <laughs> you get to it. It still does a wonderful job of surprising and it delivers incredibly entertaining and it will deliver. Yeah, it delivers. Yeah, it does one thing that I feel that the reason we enjoy so many movies that still have physical props and um, puppets and those things to them is that it it knows how to cover up things when it needs to to get the effect across mentally without showing you the whole creature at once early in the movie. Just add one giant ocean. Yes, (laughs) it could be anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. During the scene, the other the other scene that like. I think really stood out to me because I always think of all the stuff on the boat, but like, is the scene where like the, the boys killed on the float, like at the very beginning. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And just like, it's on the cameras on Brody. And it's like, every time someone walks by in front of the camera, it zooms in on his face more. Yeah. And it's just like really bringing you into how tense he is and like how focused in he is where that guy sits down and is complaining about people parking in front of his yard and they do the camera shot where like he's blurry and it's like Brody's trying to look over his shoulder. Yeah. And then there's like all the red herrings with like, you know, the, the dog goes missing. People are on each other's shoulders and screaming. And and then what you're saying, Lumberdor, it's like all you got was like a really far away shot of like, you could just barely see its silhouette. Like, like yeah. the float just flipped and you could kind of see there was like a fin or something. It just kind of, and that's all it showed of the shark. And that's like all you needed. Then you just get a bloody float washing up. It's like, you know, that flips and there's a spurt of blood and that's like all they do. And it's just like absolutely awful. (laughs) It's so terrible. Oh, and compounded and accentuated by the preceding scene where you just have that blip of the kids coming in. The mom wants to go, but the kid wants Uh to go out and play. Oh, like 10 more minutes. Oh, you're all pruning. Yeah, 10 more minutes. Okay, fine. 10 more minutes. (laughs) And that's the kid that gets it. And, uh, and that, that poor and mom, that, that after mom's just gonna forever in, hate herself. And she goes yeah. out and she's looking for her son, and then the float comes in. The movie is masterful at communicating what it needs to without beating you over the head. Yeah, it's not gratuitous. It trusts its audience to fill in what's going on and arrive to conclusions for themselves. And that's a real gloves off kind of yeah, yeah, you know. That that is that is a visceral gut punch. It's to, it, especially that's for rough. parents and things like put yourself in that position where okay, for, you know you you want to be nice and accommodating to your kids, and that's why they no longer exist anymore. <laughs> that's why the shark got them. That's <laughs> oh, that is brutal. Was it you, Doug, who shared the the link to that documentary about Jaws? Yeah, that little ten minute thing about yeah that the movie of great. disasters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The effect of the shark not working all the time it gave the actors some downtime where they were able to develop their characters much more. Mm-hmm. And which is one of the incredibly strong points of this movie is I think that's what stood out to me the most. Yeah, I probably haven't watched this in like over a decade. And like that's what stood out to me the most this time. And it might be because I 
found that and watched it was just focusing on what they did with the characters. And I, I think like I appreciated Hooper a lot more on this viewing <laughs> than I have in past. Oh yeah. There's, there's this moment when he comes over to visit Brody late at night and they're going to go cut open the shark or whatever. And he brings uh-huh. wine and Brody starts pouring it. And he's like, you're going to want to let that breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that tells you everything you need to know about that character. It's like well, so good. And it's so small. And and then the, the little, little bits, especially about Hooper that you learn more as you, as the movie unfolds, like when they're out on his boat in the water and at night and they're just having a conversation, talking about all the cool gadgets that he has, mm. you know, his history. Also, while watching this, I kept thinking about like Richard Dreyfuss performance in this versus other movies. I love him in like, uh, what about Bob or uh, Mr. Holland's opus and just the, the difference in, in the characters and um, close encounters of the third kind. Yeah, oh. Close Encounters as well. Another Spielberg and classic. I love that. I love that movie. The other big Hooper moment that I liked is when they're on the boat and like Quint cracks open a beer, just downs the whole thing and crushes it, right? And Hooper has a styrofoam cup that he crushes his styrofoam cup. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I like great. that moment where I don't remember what <laughs> Quentin was fussing at him about, but he starts basically cursing at him and flipping him off and all these different uh oh yeah he's making the faces after he turns yes. around yeah uh it's so uh, i'll drink to your leg i'll drink to your leg like yeah the odd couple and then when he did the crack about like you know she broke my heart and he's like i'm mm-hmm. pouring you a drink like i just love that it's like he won him over you know <laughs> and so. then poor brody is sitting in the in the corner with his appendix scar he's like well i guess this one doesn't qualify <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They open up to each other. They get closer. They're they're bonding, and then you get you get insight into Quint and his whole philosophy on life and his character with his experience as part of the crew of the Indianapolis. A disaster that occurred after that. Yeah, the way they established Brody's great too. Like even when he's just talking to the drunk kid at the beginning, and they're establishing right away he's not an islander. He stays out of the water. He's worried about his kids on like swing sets in the backyard. Like they kind of set up all of his stuff like right away. Oh, well, like when you first meet him, when they, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sun comes up, he's asking about the sun coming in through the window. He's like, well, we bought the house in fall and now it's summer. Yeah. You know, immediately that they've just moved here. They haven't been uh-huh. here very long. They're not established. It's, there isn't a whole need for a lot of exposition. Yeah. They let you fill in the gaps. Yeah, there was a line later in the movie. I guess it was in between the them getting on the boat, going to first hunt the shark, and where it comes into the bay or whatever, the little pond. And his wife kind of just said in passing, like to take the kids home, and she said New York, and he's like, "No, home here." And I thought that just that little line said a lot due to the whole situation going on too because it's obviously more than what they had signed up for and expected this was supposed to be easy because <laughs> he was listing all the the facts about the when he was drunk on the boat listing all the things about new york and the crime and all this and that and you know moving here and there there hasn't been a murder in like 25 years or and all this stuff it should be an ideal place for a family yes and now there's this horrible creature in the <laughs> wreaking havoc that he has to deal with and he's not equipped to deal with it and yeah you're, you're right that was a i thought that was a 
powerful moment for the character. It's also amusing to see the points in which the main character's realities are shattered. Everything that they know about sharks or about how the world works is destroyed by some event. Yeah. With Quint, I think it was uh, when the shark has three of those barrels Mm -hmm. attached into him. And the, the amount of drag and exhaustion that that will cause for a shark to be swimming along. And he just pulls all of them down disappears underneath the water everything that he knows up until that point is just gone out the window <laughs> he scrambles to think and try to make sense of it yeah i love the barrels they just keep coming back it's just another way to show that it's there without mm-hmm. showing it very it's, yeah, it's just so it's clever a, it's a brilliant way to, to track you know where the threat is in the water instead of just mm-hmm. this open water. well it could be there but we don't know like i think i always thought of like the music or like the camera angles that are underwater or something like that but then when i watched it this time i was like oh the barrels well duh like they just keep showing every time you hear them boom, 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 like come up from the water it's like here we go again there are a great many foreshadowing events throughout the film to reach the climax when the shark is attacking the orca the the, the boat you see before that the shark had already taken down a boat and it was very yeah it was, it was mm, easy for mm-hmm. that shark to do that kind of thing. It just hits at home the kind of threat that they're dealing with. And they don't they don't quite understand it yet. Yeah. Until they're out there fighting for their lives against this, against this monstrous shark. I know for me, the first thing that really stood out, like I know the first time I watched it was when the, the sheriff first um, sees the shark. He's dumping the chum into uh. the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he looks over his cigarettes, you know, hanging out by the end of his lip. And he just slowly backs in. Backing up. The infamous line, <laughs> you're going to need a bigger boat. So good. You know, and I guess pretty much, it's pretty much the last entire hour of the movie. It's just the three of them yeah. and the shark. Like, they never really encounter anyone else once they go out. And even you know after the climax and after the shark is gone, and they're just on the raft, paddling back <laughs> to shore with the credits rolling, get that nice wide shot of the beach, and, and they finally and, make it. <laughs> yeah, the little raft off in the distance, coming closer and closer until they, <laughs> you know, they got home safe. <laughs> it the way they the boats designed where there's that little skinny ledge. They keep having to walk on to get around. And it's just like a shot of their feet most of the time. And you're like, you just cringe every time. You clench your teeth every time they walk it. They're like slipping around. Having to climb around to the... the... And they're like having to hold on and slipping and not sure-footed. And They were showing the shoes, like showing... You know, one of them's got kids on and the other one's got his big rubber boots. And Quentin was just kind of laughing at both of them. I don't know if that was intentional or or they, they found that boat and then thought, yes, we can use that as yeah. yeah, I wonder to create that tension where just having to climb around the outside of the boat to get to once from one side to another. Ugh. I'd recommend Jaws to anybody. Especially 100%. if you want to if you are interested in learning about cinematography and constructing an intriguing story definitely give jaws a try 
Yeah, I definitely think this is one of those movies you have to watch. Like you owe it to yourself if you enjoy movies <laughs> to see this movie at some point if you have not. It's one of those like if you really dig into the history of it, of where people are having to change their process as they go along and adapt because something didn't work. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe that um, Steven Spielberg sort of gained a reputation for not being that good at reining in his uh, his productions, his budget, oh, really? and, <laughs> and his time to the yeah. point that um, when George Lucas had decided that he wanted uh, Spielberg to direct Indiana Jones, the studio wasn't that thrilled with the notion. <laughs> Someone had to say, Stephen, we tested this in fresh water, not salt water. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug, thank you and good night. Like, I guess the last thing kind of in my brain when I think about it is it does become like pretty ridiculous by the end, <laughs> but it has a way of like building up to the ridiculous that you just buy it all. You know what I mean? You take it in. None of it's like funny or silly to you. Like you enjoy it. Like you enjoy seeing that shark's head explode or seeing it rip rip that hardware off the boat when it almost pulls the entire boat over and all that. And he even gets the little action guy hero line, you know, smile, you son of a so-and-so and all that. Uh, but like the way it builds up to all of it and it just kind of slowly ramps up, it like earns every bit of it. And you're like along for the ride. I think that's like something else this movie does really well.